1993, man, I, I almost committed suicide. Uh, I, I won the Super Bowl with the Redskins. I signed a multi-million dollar contract. I had a million dollar check in my wife's purse. If you're moving through this world by yourself, you're in trouble because you have nobody to tell what's really going on. Welcome to Tractionville, a podcast for companies running on EOS. I'm your host, Chris White, along with... Benj Miller. And today we've got a, a very special guest, full disclosure, friend of mine and former client. Uh, he is a entrepreneur. He is an author. He's a tuba player. He was a lifeguard. And oh, by the way, he was also an NFL champion with the Washington Redskins. So I'd like to introduce and welcome Fred Stokes. Chris, what an introduction, man. Thank you so much for having me on the show. <laughs> Fred, you know, we're friends and I know your story. And I, I really think uh, our listeners in Tractionville would really appreciate hearing kind of uh, your story uh, in a condensed version. Uh, but if you could start with that, that'd be wonderful. <laughs> well, since you started with the tuba player, um, I get interviews and questions sometime periodically about my most memorable day. I played 10 years in National Football League with the Redskins, the Rams, and the New Orleans Saints, uh, Super Bowl 26, as you mentioned, with the Redskins. And I get mentioned, asked sometimes, what was your most memorable time in the NFL? And it and it was the, the, the point when we were playing, we meaning I was with the L.A. Rams, we were playing the Atlanta Falcons. And as I'm standing on this in the field getting prepared to play the game, my mind went back 10 years earlier on a on a bus. I'm riding through Atlanta, Georgia as a 12 year old kid, 11, 12 year old kid. We had just won the uh, recreation champion uh, championship that Saturday morning. And we're riding back and I see that Marquis says Atlanta Falcons versus Dallas, Cowboy, Dallas Cowboys. And now I'm fast forwarding like, wow. 10 years ago, I was on a bus as a little kid screaming and asking the coach, can we watch the Cowboys and the Falcons? And now I'm getting ready to play the Falcons. Right. Um, and so, yes, I, I only played one year high school football. So actually that story, when we came back through, I didn't realize that would be the last time I played football as a seventh grader. And I didn't play anymore until I was a senior in high school. Got a full scholarship to go to Georgia Southern University. Uh, and I played offensive tackle. I played no defense in college. And I got drafted as a defensive end. So I do have that, like you said, that unique story. Um, single family, my mom and my two younger sisters. So grew up in a small town, Vidalia. And and I use a lot of those stories, as you just mentioned, and you kind of kid about being a tuba player. But I use a lot of those stories um, to share and talk about other things. And I'm sure you'll get to that later in the show. What, you know, you just said something that I hadn't thought about in a long time, but you 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 stopped playing ball. How come? Oh, uh, <laughs> I stopped playing ball uh, because I thought I was going to be a basketball. I loved, absolutely love with all capital letters. Uh, basketball. I, I was 6'4". I started as a freshman on the varsity basketball team. I could jump out the gym. I could run. I, I mean, I was fast. I, all the things that I thought could be could take me to the NBA level. And I just focused on basketball and I ran and I ran track. So we went to state in basketball. I went to state in track and high jump and triple and uh, high jump and, and high hurdles. And so I was really fast, but I didn't grow anymore after that. I was 6'4 in probably the ninth, 10th grade. And I'm 6'4 now, and I'm watching Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, you know, 6'9, handling the ball. And so I had to face reality. 
And so by that time, I was a senior. And I just thought, you know what? I'll try to play football and see what happens. It's my last year. Let's go out with a bang, baby. (laughs) (laughs) And I got a full scholarship. (laughs) That's amazing. Fred, we were talking the other day, and you were telling me about how you're getting to now interact with all these business business owners uh, through peer groups, through Vistage. And you have a powerful message that you're you're taking to them. Tell us about that. Well, I'm, I'm excited to be a part of the uh, Vistage organization. Uh, you know, they've been around some 60 years or so. And the first opportunity I got, I, I do a lot of reading, too. I like to prep and, and before I speak and, and talk to companies or, or who, whomever I'm speaking with. And so as I'm looking at Vistage and looking at the history and what to do, I was overwhelmed with the men and women that's a part of that executive coaching group. And so I tried to give them what I thought they wanted, which was not totally me, right? Mm-hmm. And this is who I am. I'm laughing. I'm funny. I'm just, you know, I'm just going to give you me all day. I went into that first meeting uh, bid and I, and I almost bombed because I was trying to be something that I'm not. And so what I talk about when I go into those those uh, groups is, you know, how to manage change and minimize stress, because I've been stressed. out. I've been to the top of my profession and been stressed to no end. Um, I live in Orlando, Florida. The first nine years I was there, I moved six times. I played for three different teams. I've been around, so I've experienced change in a major way. And if you if you've not prepared for it, uh, it it'll stress you out. And the one thing I know is that about seventy five to eighty percent of seventy five to eighty five percent of all doctors' office visits can be traced back to some level of stress. And I was like, wow. So I need to try to calm myself down. I can't control what happens to me. All I can do is control how I respond to what happens to me. And so I share my stories, uh, as Chris mentioned. The tuba player stories, <laughs> the one year high school football story. And I share those and intertwine those with uh, real life um, things that you can implement immediately in your own life and your business to, to bring about change. Give us some examples, because that's the same audience out there in Tractionville listening right now. So what are some of those tips? One of the things I say is I, I talk about mastering change as well, but I say you can't really master change. You can master and, and grow and, and get to a level like a master chess player, right? Uh, a master uh, or martial arts artist, black belt, judo, karate, whatever. You can respond. Those guys that are taking those martial artists, uh, martial arts, those arts, they're not taking those so they can go around beating people up. They're taking those so that they can control themselves in the, in the heat of the battle. If they have to get to a battle, oh, it's over. But so in, in doing that, man, in talking about that managing change and minimizing stress and mastering that, I, I say one of the things I talk about uh, four things when it when it as it um, pertains to change, like change is not always change you want. Right. Or desire. Uh, I'm with my son, my eight year old son. I'm retired. Uh, we're out in the public. My wife is doing some stuff with some, picking up some some strawberry for our brand new house. I'm six, four, 250 pounds or 270 pounds. I could bench press 500 pounds and my eight-year-old son came out of nowhere. I saw him, but I took my mind off of him, right? Came out of nowhere and hit me right in the area. <laughs> Dropped me to my knees, bro. I'm talking about, I'm on, I'm, I'm sick. I'm, I'm a Super Bowl champion, but I'm on my knees <laughs> because my eight-year-old son, and all I heard was, I saw him coming from a distance and my plan was to kind of just, you know, just as he got close enough to me to surprise him, right? And so right before he got to me, I just forgot. And, and, and that's what we do in life. We have plans. We have goals. We have things we want to do with our companies and our families and our individual lives. And if you're not careful, you'll let other things and other people get in front of you. It's like, I'm not going to let your emergency becomes my, yep. become my emergency. Mm-hmm. You know yep. what I'm saying? Because yep. I, I know where I want to do. But I lost track. Right. Uh, and so next thing I know, I hear, hey, dad. 
And when I looked, man, he was coming. Boom. And dropped me to my knees, bro. So that's one of the things. That's the, <laughs> like father, <laughs> like son. <laughs> and so I talk about that. I, I talk about change doesn't care about your emotions. Uh, change doesn't fit within your your personal calendar, your your life goals or your schedule. And so I, I shared stories as I just shared to to re-emphasize that. And I, and I used another thing, too, um, that I call uh, take possession of your day. And so I'm in the morning and people do this all the time. You know, if you get up and the first thing you do is grab your phone, you look at the Internet, you know that, Chris. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's just I take possession of my day without looking at text, looking at the news, answering the phone. It's mine. That's what I can control. What What's your morning routine? So along that lines of, of taking control, do you have a morning routine that, you know, no, no smartphone, you know, no TV? What, what What's the practice that you do? First thing I do is I get up, I keep a, uh, a friend of mine gave me, a, uh, I, get, I don't know if it's for my birthday or not, but he gave me a Yeti cup. So it's one of those big cups. And so I keep that beside my bed and um, it, full of water. First thing I do in the morning is I, I drink that water because I haven't had any all night. Uh, and I sit and I just, I think about my life, right? And I, I, I won't call it meditating, but I guess that's in a form of what it is. Uh, I'm looking at the day I'll sit outside and I'm, I'm listening to the birds and the wind. And the, I mean, I'm just I, I try to, uh, Chris, really, really embrace the morning and, and be grateful for that day because I don't know what's going to happen. And so those are things that I do. Mm-hmm. I do some reading and um, and, and I try to stretch. To get I know I know when we implemented EOS and the, the sausage company, you know, we we talked about the importance of taking a clarity break. And, and I know that's kind of your daily thing. The way you start is you just allow yourself, uh, you're not necessarily focusing on any one thing. You're just kind of getting clarity around your day. So it's kind of a daily practice. I like that. Fred in high school, college, your nickname was BP for big play. Getting to know you the little bit of that I have, I think the biggest play that you've made is with starting this podcast and your vulnerability in it. So when we come back, I want you to speak to that. I want you to teach our audience what Lint Brothers is about, what that acronym stands for. And um, I appreciate you being willing to come on, be vulnerable, and go there with us right after this. Chris, thank our sponsor. Today's episode is sponsored by Nona.media. Nona.media is a cross-channel marketing and media platform that specializes in video production, social and print media, podcasting and events we bring content to life through storytelling your story your audience your results nona.media all right bp your big play lint brothers the podcast it's more than that though it's a movement it's a message tell us about it well you know what i it 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 actually evolved from I've been I've been dealing with men in some form or fashion for the last 20 years. I was coordinator of a program called the Georgia Fatherhood Program, where we dealt with men that had child support issues, non-custodial parents. State of Georgia said that men who pay child support on average spend more time with their kids. Then it evolved into me speaking to men and then being a part of the men group at our church. And and I just got to a point um, where I just got tired of just being stressed and 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 overwhelmed with life to the point where it basically almost pushed me over the edge. I mean, literally pushed me over the edge. And I'll just share this with our listeners. I even share it sometimes with our uh, Vistas groups that 
1993, man, I, I almost committed suicide. Uh, I, I won the Super Bowl with the Redskins. I signed a multi, signed a multi-million dollar contract. Um, I had a million dollar check in my wife's purse. Of course, now they do uh, direct deposit. But here I am flying back from L.A. with a million dollar check. Uh, the kid that played the tuba won your high school football. Mm. And so it just, all those things just kind of evolved. And I was trying to portray that realness and 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 just be who you are uh, and don't let life consume you to the men and the groups that I was speaking to. And I began to just share, hey, you need men in your life that can that you can empty the pocket, your pockets out and talk about your keys, your cars, your houses, your kids. Talk about everything. Just empty your pockets out all the way down to the lint. And so I was talking with my wife and, and she was saying, honey, you need to you need to really evaluate or, or, or think that through. What are you saying? And, and, and the man just out of the blue, I just I just heard the words life I never tell because men talk about everything. But they don't talk about the lint that's deep down within the pocket of their life. I can talk about sex, drugs, rock and roll. And so that has really kept me sane, having men in my life that can get down to the lint in the pocket of my life. They can ask me anything. So I have a couple of men that I call my lint brothers and the life I never tell. I've been lucky enough to experience that as well. And it requires such trust of the other person that you're talking to. But as soon as you put that trust on the table, I've never seen it go bad. More times than not, it's like, bro, me too. Or I, I have the same thing in this other area. And it's almost like you've been waiting, you know, to let that out. And I'm sure that that's what keeps you going is, is helping other people experience that. So thank you. So tell us about what you're doing with that, the podcasts. Well, we have a, uh, Lent Brother podcast that I started about a month or so ago, and we've got men from all walks of life. I've got former friends who are, an a- who are athletes, NFL. We've got uh, NBA guys on there. We've got businessmen on the entrepreneurs. We've got guys that are just regular business owners and guys who are just uh, working at regular businesses. And what my goal is through that Lent Brother podcast is to create a common thread among all the men, no matter what your title is. And 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 one of our one of our, our matter of fact, our, our core focus is to to see men emotionally free so that they can um, see men emotionally free so that they can walk in victory and freedom from the issues of life to try to keep them in bondage. And I look at it this way. I, <laughs> I use a lot of analogy, man, but I look at men sometimes, guys, and I, I see invisible duct tape over their mouth. You want to ask them, hey, are you OK? But they can't talk. Right. Oh, and mm-hmm. invisible handcuffs and shackles. They've got that that prison walk, I call it, that slow walk. They don't know they're walking slow. But like you said, I've never seen it go south. And so that's what we're doing with the podcast is creating a platform where men can share their story. And I ask them to share as much or as little as, as they feel comfortable. But we want to create a common thread among all men that we're all dealing with something. Yeah. You, you, have, you have hit on a, a, a major issue in our society, right? And, and I don't mean just American society. It's really global, right? And the cool thing is you've been at this for about a month now. Like you said, we flushed out your VTO for Lint Brothers, your accountability chart, and we got some rocks going. But tell us about your uh, recent trip to D.C. Because, I mean, Lint Brothers is only four, five weeks in, and all of a sudden you're invited to come to D.C. Talk talk to us about that experience. Well, same thing, and as um, Bench said, that he hasn't seen when somebody and you got you got to be willing to be vulnerable, right? You got to be willing to open up and take a chance. Um, and so 
as I as I as I'm coming off the road, I walk into the house and my wife is watching uh, the news channel. And there's a congresswoman on there by the name of Susan, Congresswoman Susan Wilde. Her husband or her 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 soulmate, uh, Carrie, had had committed suicide a month prior, a month or so prior. But they didn't tell anybody. Now, he's dead, but they didn't tell you why he died or how he died. And she just through, I guess, you know, processed the whole thing and said, I got to get it out. So she's sharing that story and she's in tears. And so I see that. And after she shares something within me, just says, I've got to reach out to her because I know where he was. Carrie was because mm-hmm. I was there. It's only a miracle that I'm sitting here with you guys today. I reached out to her. It took me a couple of days to get up the nerve to, to open up. And when I did, I ended up talking to her deputy chief of staff. It started to go very quickly. The congresswoman reached out to me. And uh, just last Friday, I flew up and they're having uh, because of that, we had a roundtable discussion called the ripple effects of suicide. And the people that were in that room uh, sharing their own personal stories, even our moderator, um, he was dealing with some stuff and taking some stuff. It's just amazing. And it is true. The ripple effects of suicide, whether it's personal or family related or friends. Uh, matter of fact, uh, uh, reverting back to uh, Fred Stokes sausage, the sausage that we do. And you've helped me help us with that with the OS, um, our sales manager for the plant up in Georgia committed suicide. Next month would be a year. He walked out of his office after a conversation, who knows what, left for lunch. Next time they saw him, he was lying at his mother's grave at the cemetery with a self-inflicted gunshot wound. Wow. And I've, and I've gone through all of those things, man. There's probably 20 guys that I know indirectly or directly last year that committed mm. suicide. Fred, if somebody's listening and something is resonating right now, whether it's just this stress of life or whatever's going on in their head or their heart, what's the biggest play they can make right now? Well, two things, uh, two answers to that question for me, first of all, and not because you guys are here, but getting with Chris and, and, and understanding the breakdown of EOS, right? I don't see how you can. And, and as he said with me, when we first talked about it, it's like, you're going to operate off of some system like a computer. Um, why not? operate off of the best system that's out there. Right. And so EOS has really helped me in terms of focusing more on my business and, and uh, meeting with Chris on that regards. And, and that's kind of a selfish, shameless plug, if you will. But to that point, yeah, if you're listening, you need to be doing that. I'm probably sure a lot of your listeners are operating off of that system. The other thing is too, uh, when it comes to uh, having a Lent brother uh, to be able to talk about the life I never tell, if you're, if you're moving through this world by yourself, you're in trouble because you have no body to tell what's really going on to no end. And that's why I wish some of the men who, as they say, everything is okay until it's not these guys that are committing these uh, mass murders, something's going on and they're going, well, we didn't know. Of course you didn't. Nobody knows, but he's dealing with something I can guarantee you. And so I'll tell you this, if you're listening to this podcast cast and you're out there walking alone and you don't have another brother in your life that knows all your business, I, I, I'd say start going to some type of church, go to golf meetings, somewhere where you can start. We did it with our defensive line. One of my Lent brothers now lives in Atlanta. I met him when I got to the Rams and we just started having defensive line, hangout parties, um, you know, being seeing each other kids. And gradually we found a common ground. And that's what happens kind of organically that way. But every man, no matter your status, position or title, needs another man in his life that he can get down to the lint in the pocket of his life. How do I know when I've found that lint brother, somebody that can handle all of the life that I never tell? Yeah. Cause you're really, it's like my skeletons, right? 
Well, somebody says vulnerability is giving somebody the gun that can shoot you. Right. Mm. So like that, that's ultimately that position. You're giving them all Mm -hmm. the dirt to blackmail you. Right. Yeah. And what are they going to do? Yeah. But, But here's, here's, here's the concept is, and I talk about, it happens organically, right? Like you, like one of our, our, our proven process for Lent brother is this. It's, it's a, it's a formula like E equals MC squared, that kind of thing. Formula, right? C over T equals LB. C over T equals LB. Commitment over time equals a Lent brother for life. C over T equals LB. So I'm not giving to your analogy. I'm not going to walk up and give you the gun. I may just hang out with you and not give you anything. But as we hang out with you, I may I may give you a stick, a small stick. Well, if you take it and throw it away or throw it back at me, I'm not going to give you a gun. But I gave you a stick. Maybe we're talking. You say, hey, man, I, I found a stick the other day. You gave me one. I'll give you give you a stick. And so it's just tit for tat. Uh, matter of fact, uh, one of my former teammates, David Rocker, is a Lent brother to me. He went to University of Auburn, All-America at University of Auburn. We were doing that process for, for a year or so. I would drive to his place in Atlanta. He would take me to the airport. One day we're talking and out the blue, uh, he says, hey, man, uh, I've I've really got something to tell you. And if I hear it again, I'm going to have to kill you. And I started laughing. I'm driving to Atlanta to his house to fly to a speaking engagement. And he wasn't laughing. And I stopped on the phone in my tracks and I said, "Okay, um, I got you, bro. Um, You know, tell me what it is. But I'm thinking in my mind, I don't have a clue, but it's serious. And he shares it with me. And it was serious. Now I'm thinking, how do I give him back what he gave me? And so very quickly, I said, hey, man, I tell you what, I appreciate you sharing it with me, but I've got something I need to share with you. And if I hear it again, I'm going to have to kill you. And we started laughing. But that day I knew and I did share something with him Mm -hmm. that was of equal, as you said, great analogy. He gave me a gun. I, I gave him back a gun. He didn't give me a gun. I gave him like a stick or something like I ain't going to give you my yeah. gun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it, so it, it happens that way. Uh, and, and so we're doing workshops and trainings and conferences. We did a Lent Brother conference uh, earlier this year down at Cocoa Beach um, for a um, two-day deal. And so we're training men and doing um, workshops about how to, uh, what that really looks like. And and Chris is actually happening. And we're using some of the same concepts that we use with EOS too. Yeah. And, you know, I, I want to go back and touch on that Um because you know you and I have had some Lint brother experiences with one another, and it really is about you know you, it it doesn't happen organically like you said. But what we're really doing we're getting to know each other, we're building a rapport with one another, but we're also building trust. And when whenever you feel like that trust is there, I think is when you take that step. You know, and like like I did with you, I said, "Hey, bro, um, I got to talk to you about something." And, you know, I felt comfortable. I trusted you. Um, and I was able to actually get it out. Right. And uh, I think that's really the, the, the best way. So with, with Lint Brothers, you know, it's a it's it could be and you could be have a Lint Brother anywhere. Right. You know, it, it could be people in your circle. Uh, it could be people that you, you know, you end up building a, a rapport with at church or, or other social guys, even in business, right? Because as business owners and entrepreneurs, I mean, <laughs> we're putting it all on the line, right? So we're stressed to your point earlier, you know, it, it is a global issue. And the thing is, most men, you know, we're supposed to be, you know, big and strong and kind of tight lipped. 
but we're all going through stuff. And, you know, we have things that we, we've done that we're proud of, maybe some things not so proud of. But how do, what's the outlet? How do we do that? But it doesn't come natural. You know what, they, let's go back to one you, you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast that I was, a, I was a lifeguard. So I was trained every other year by the Red Cross, some intense training, right? We had to know how to dive in the water and basically, as they say, skim the water so you can get back up and not go underneath and lose the, the person that's drowning. You know how, to, know how to save a person that's fighting. Go get a person that's on the bottom. They trained us all of those, what to do, when to do it, and how to do it, what to, how to recognize. And then at the end of all that training, they said, the last thing you should do is go in and put yourself in harm's way for a drowning person. I was confused. I'm like, all of this training, and the last thing I should do is get in the water? They said, yeah, because if you're not totally sure of what you're doing, that drowning person is going to drown you. Right. So having a Lent brother and this single are having a Lent brother. And yes, I have Lent brothers, but it's called Lent brother. But having a Lent brother, life I never tell, you have to know when and where. Right. So I knew what that look is when somebody's drowning. I can look from that lifeguard stand and say that guy's in trouble. No, mm-hmm. matter, no matter what he's saying. So I've learned to recognize as I talk to men around the country and, and they share things. You know, one guy, matter of fact, the guy at the conference at the uh, and I'm not, I don't have to give his name because nobody knows, but it was a. The Lent Brother Conference, the first one we did, he said, oh, yeah, he raised his hand and said, yeah, my, my wife and I talk about everything. I looked at him, I nodded, and like, you in trouble. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> women, yes, there's great husbands out there. If you're out there, uh, uh, presidents, you can talk to your lower level managers. You can talk to your, uh, your you know, new employees, but you need another president. You need another VP. You need another uh, uh, person that's on your level that understand what it's about to run a company off of EOS. So that's where it is. And so I've, I've gotten to a point where I, I can recognize those signs and we mm-hmm. talk about it enough. But as, as, as Ben said, you've got to be willing to be vulnerable. And that happens over time. So Fred, wrapping up the podcast, we uh, first of all, thank you for, for sharing all of that. Uh, especially about Lint Brothers, um, you are uh, leading the way on that. And, uh, you know, we appreciate that. We like to end the podcast asking uh, our guests a couple questions. So the the first question is when you get into Friday afternoon, so you put, you put in a, a, the week working uh, Lint Brothers and you're about to shut it down and enjoy the weekend. When you look back on your week, how do you know if you had a good week at Lint Brothers? The way I know I have, have that's a great question. The, know I, the way I know I've had a great week is, is my output. I don't, I don't judge it on the results of what I get back. Because when I, when I played with the Rams, we were out in LA uh, before we went to St. Louis. We went 12 and, we went four, uh, four and 12 one year. The next year we went five and 11. I mean, we, we only won four games and lost 12. We only won uh, uh, five games. And with that said, I had to make a personal assessment of my own efforts. I, did I give my all? Did I know my plays? Did I, did I put uh, everything on the line, as they say, leave it on the t- all on the field? Right. And when I answered those questions and checked that box and said, yes, the results are different. And so when I come home on Friday and I've spoken around the country and, I've done, and I'm like, you know what? I can't make people receive what I put out. Right. I have to at the end of the day, I've got to be replete, pleased with my own efforts. Mm -hmm. And if I'm not and I'm shortchanging you because of the dollars or because of the time or because of what you're going to think about me, uh, as Ben said, you have to be vulnerable. And I know that when I come home, I'm like, okay, I did what I was supposed to do. 
I can't control the results. Right, right. So our second question is, uh, I want you to share, what, what's your message to our our men out there, our executives, our entrepreneurs, right, who are dealing with stress right now? Um, what's your message to them? I would ask those guys, and I'm sure they've been asked this before, and some of them, and I say guys, but men and women have been asked and maybe answer this question. Every day you have to answer the question, why am I doing this? What, why am I doing this? And, and, and is this really what gives me joy and peace, right? Because there was an NFL football player, I believe it was last year, in the middle of the game, quit. In the middle of an NFL game, he quit. How many people in the middle of life quit? They just quit. Uh, one guy, my wife and I were canceling when we were in Georgia. And again, like I said, I've been dealing with men. This is probably in 1999, maybe 2000. He told his wife he was going to the store, to the grocery store. He hadn't gotten back yet. He quit in the middle of the game. Mm-hmm. So if you're a business owner, I mean, you need to know if, if it's about the money. Yes, there, uh, recent thing, story in the, in the NFL, uh, Antonio Brown, $30 million couldn't keep him sane. If mm-hmm. it's about the money... I'm sorry to say to you guys out there listening, it's not going to keep you. Fred, that is so good. I so appreciate your time and your honesty being here with us. Where can people find out about you, Lint Brothers, Fred Stokes Sausage? Give them all the rundown. We'll put it in the show notes. <laughs> um, you can go to, uh, we're, we're doing a uh, website for lintbrother.com. So that's in the pro- in the making. It may be uh, done in the next week or two. So lintbrother.com. It's singular, not brothers, brother. Mm-hmm. But it's lentbrother.com. You, I have an Instagram uh, called Lent Brother. I'm on Instagram as well for Big Place Stokes. Um, you can reach out to me through email, lentbrother at gmail.com or fredstokes.foods at gmail.com. We have our food and uh, sausages, our signature sausage in uh, Westgate Resorts all around, all around the country. We were in some public stores. We only do food service now. We don't do any more retail. So if you're out there and you're looking for it in the grocery stores, we're not in there. But we recently got into Gators Dockside here in Orlando and up in Jacksonville. So they, you reach out to me. And if you can't get me on those and you forgot, just Google Fred Stokes. <laughs> yeah, you can, see. <laughs> you can find it. Fred, thanks. Tractionville, man, we got honest. We got raw. I hope that you take this to heart. I hope you find someone. Women, do not be offended. We were using the word men because... That's where Fred spends his time. But all of these issues are so applicable across gender. Go reach out. Find another woman that you can tell your story to. Hey, if you liked this episode, would you share it with someone? Heck, this episode might actually save somebody's life. That's right. Uh, Rate us, share it, subscribe. And we'll see you next week when we drop on Tractionville Tuesday. Tuesday.